Welcome to Ability Stories Podcast, where we discuss the successes, challenges, and stories of people with disabilities. I'm your host, Tara Briggs. To contact me, please send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. Welcome to Ability Stories. I'm Tara Briggs, and I would like to record a brief introduction to the podcast to ex- to explain who I am and what I'm hoping to accomplish with Ability Stories and what its purpose is. I lost my sight from retinopathy of prematurity, and I was about five months old. I was born three months early. I had a a twin. I weighed two pounds, four ounces, and my twin, Amy Marie, weighed one pound, 13 ounces. My mom was told that we both had a 50% chance of making it, and my twin passed away after six weeks, and um, I was about five months old when my mom got a call, had taken me to the retinal specialist at the doctor's, and she got a call from them, and, you know, things are looking good, And then they called her back the next day and said, well, on second thought, her retinas are detaching. She's going to lose her sight. So my mom took me to Memphis, Tennessee when I was one for laser surgery on my eyes. And I had, they were able to restore a little bit of vision in my left eye. Um, I am able to see lights and color and shadow but everything's really blurry in my world and I know that they have said that retinopathy of prematurity your vision doesn't get any worse it does (laughs) I I don't see as well as when I was a kid Um, but I am a braille user and a seeing eye dog user growing up I went to the school for the blind through first grade and then I attended the local public schools by my house When I was in ninth grade, we took a science field trip to the wetlands, and one thing that happened there that I I didn't remember until months later is I stepped in a hole. (laughs) Maybe I was using my cane incorrectly or something, but I pulled my boot out, you know, pulled my shoe out, dumped up out the muddy water, laughed, and went on, but the uh, teacher flipped her lid and when the next field trip came around in the spring she didn't want me attending we were going to the zoo and apparently blind people like to jump in with the tigers or something so it was this really dramatic um episode in my life where there were meetings with the school and um she said i was a burden and a safety hazard and it was uh not very fun um the other thing that happened which had kind of an even more profound impact on my life is I wanted to join the band. I wanted to join the junior high band and was told that blind people weren't wanted in the band and how would you um, read the music? Apparently they'd never heard of Braille. How would you follow the conductor? They'd never heard of counting and listening. And so um, I I didn't join the band until high school when I eventually um, got a flute and started playing it. And the flute has been a really important part of my life ever since and I've always kind of wondered if that was due to the fact that I was denied access to it earlier when I really wanted it and so for 
several years, I would pick up a pencil and play on the pencil and pretend that was my flute because I just thought the flute was the most beautiful sound ever. I still think the flute is the most beautiful sound ever. When I, I went after high school, I um, attended services at our local center for the blind, took some of the classes there for a few months, and then I went to Guide Dogs for the Blind and got my first dog. She was a yellow lab named Hani. Um, I love that dog. She was so naughty, but I love that dog so much. And she, um, she had a proclivity to run away, which isn't a very good thing in a guide dog. And one time I had a bunch of blind friends come over to hang out and I swear that dog thought, oh, blind people, I am out of here, man. And I let my blind friends in the door and she went out the door and, um, I didn't know it until a couple hours later when my husband came home and he's like, where's Hani? And I was like, um, Hani? I don't know, asleep? He's like, Hani's not here. So, <laughs> yeah, we went on a, well, okay, he went on a, <laughs> a chase after Hani. <laughs> um, and she never, she never changed even after I retired her to my brother's house, uh, she still ran away till within like the last three or four months of her life. <laughs> um, after, after I went to college, I went to the University of Utah and then I transferred down to um, Brigham Young University and that's where I met my husband. I walked into the Brigham Young University has an accessibility lab and um, it was it was an incredible setup. They have um, computers there with um, JAWS. It's a screen reader for Windows, so it tells you what's on the screen. They have screen magnification. They had an 80 cell Braille display. They had scanners. Um, one time, I found a book that I just wanted to read for fun, and I, I got it and chopped it up and ran it through their dock feeder. And like an hour, I had electronic Braille. Yeah, I was in heaven. Um, so when I walked into that lab on the first day of of school, this guy came up to me in a wheelchair and he said, hi, and um, I'm not reproducing it here, but the way he said hi was just a sort of creepy tone of voice. And um, everybody thinks that when you can't see, you're really open-minded and you're not judgmental, and that's true until you talk, and then I can be as judgmental as the rest of the population. So, and I remember holding out my hand, and he told me later that the thought that went through his mind was, if she only knew how difficult this is, she would not be trying to shake hands, but eventually we did, and he had the littlest, coldest hands, because it was winter, and um, so that's that's the guy I married. Tyler has um, congenital muscular dystrophy, which is not degenerative and not genetic, and arthrogryposis, which is twisted joints. So he needs um, help to with all the activities of daily living and the um, he needs help with eating and dressing and 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 bathing and using the the bathroom and all that kind of stuff and. And the misconceptions we have about um, people with disabilities are are funny. I remember I had come in to the lab one time and I was eating a Toblerone, which is a Swiss chocolate. It has to be one of the best things ever. And 
Yeah, I said, would you like some? And he said, yeah. So I, I put a piece of candy up to his mouth and he ate it. And then he got talking about food that he likes. And I remember the thought that went through my head was, why do you like eating? You can't even feed yourself. So <laughs> apparently uh, people in wheelchairs don't like to eat. <laughs> Sorry to any wheelchair users out there for my misconception. Um I started working at the accessibility lab and we one night started talking and and got to know each other and um we were walking back to I was walking back with him to the entrance of the library and he kind of paused and said we should get together and do something sometime and I said yeah we should and I thought wow I actually want to go out with this guy so I said when do you want to when do you want to get together um and so we we planned a date and I walked back to my apartment in cloud nine because I'd been asked on a date and he drove his power wheelchair back to the bus freaking out because he'd asked a blind girl on a date and didn't know what we were going to do and how we were going to do it so he called a friend and insisted on a double date (laughs) we went to dinner and bowling and um to his friend's house for ice cream afterwards and what i remember most about that is uh his friend's house we were sitting down and everybody was having their ice cream except him. His friend said, I'll feed you when I, once I've served everybody up. And I felt bad because he just had his ice cream sitting on his lap in front of him and he couldn't eat it. So I was like, do you want help to eat that? And he's like, sure. And so um, one thing that happens when you cannot see is you can feed yourself and you can feed yourself well. And there are all kinds of what are called alternative techniques that we as blind people use to to eat um, and eat in a way that is, you know, appetizing for other people to watch. But um, I didn't know it at the time, but I was feeding him these huge, enormous bites of ice cream that were giving him brain fees, freezes. He, he has since learned to, to, to be more verbal about, <laughs> about it. Um, and the other thing that happens is you mix stuff and um poor Tyler knows that that things are going to be mixed (laughs) so the other day we were eating lunch at a an activity and it was Alfredo and salad on the same plate and he goes oh and I was like I'm sorry because he I don't enjoy Alfredo and salad in the same bite, but I don't know what's coming until I'm eating it and poor Tyler knows it's coming and there's nothing he can do about it. <laughs> um, but we have learned to to adapt to each other's disabilities and um, to help each other out. I remember a few years ago, I was looking for a can of something to cook for dinner and he said, you need to get a pen friend and label your cans. And as I was walking back to get the can, I said, will you just shut up and let me complain? (laughs) So, so it was interesting to figure out how to help our, our uh, disabilities, um, adapt with each other. The first time we went to the grocery store, we were like 
kids, we were so elated at doing this by ourselves. He had always needed help because although he could see what was there, he couldn't pick it up off the shelf and, and put it in a cart. I could pick it up off the shelf and put it in a cart, but had no clue, you know, unless it was like bananas or something, what it was that I was putting in the cart. So, um, we put a, one of the shopping baskets on the chair, on the footrest of his wheelchair. And then we, we went and shopped and we were like little kids. We were so excited that we were essentially going grocery shopping for the first time independently in our lives. But it's funny how quickly those feelings deteriorate. The next time we nearly got in a fight because we went to the grocery store and we needed a can of Mamwich to make sloppy joes. And he's like, I'm like, why don't you just ask someone? He's like, no, I don't want to ask someone. So then he goes and finds it. And I'm like, well, you need to get a, we need to get a can opener because the can opener at your apartment is absolutely a worthless piece of crap. So I was like, okay, so we'll go get a can opener. He's like, where's the can opener? So I'm like, you could always just ask. And, you know, you would think that a man who needs help to use the bathroom would be comfortable asking for the location of the can openers, but no. <laughs> they still have to try and search for it on their own. We were married on May 11th of 2007, and um, we continued to live down in Provo and finish school. In um, fall of 2007, a job offer came open at our Center for the Blind to teach the cooking class, and I couldn't decide whether to apply or not and Tyler said I just feel like you should apply and so since I couldn't decide what to do I applied and um I got the job <laughs> and so that's what I did from December 31st of 2007 to July of 2014 when I left to have our our oldest daughter our baby Marie um and Marie is now 20 months, 20, 21 months old, 20 months old. Wow. <laughs> I'm a great mom. I can't remember my own kid's age. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe I'll keep that in because it's funny. And we have another baby on the way. I, I hope to have Tyler on here and to expand more on the podcast about what it's like to be married with disabilities. Um, I didn't really know... I'm trying to think about, I've thought a lot about my motivation in, in starting the podcast. Um, I've loved being a stay-at-home mom, but there is one problem with being a stay-at-home mom, which is that, you know, Marie is improving in her <laughs> speaking skills. She's actually really verbal. Um, and that's actually her voice that you hear on the introduction to the podcast is, is Marie's. But Marie, um, <laughs> you just... When you say, how do we solve the national debt in the United States, there's just not a lot that that, that she says back. <laughs> so I have been wanting um, some additional social outlet. And I, I've loved podcasting. I've loved listening to them. I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of really great podcasts out there. There's Blind Abilities, which is really fun. Um, the Eyes on Success 
podcast has gotten some really fun interviews. Um, the Out podcast from the UK is really fantastic. Um, but I haven't found any podcast where people just come on and tell their individual stories as people with disabilities and just talk about their lives and, and what's out, what that's like. So that's what I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping to have it it um, cross disability wide. I'm, I'm hoping to not just focus on on blindness, even though our my first few guests that I have are, are blind because I'm blind and the blind community is. Um, the blind community is a really well-networked community. As, as a blind person, you could go into your room at midnight, close the door, close the blinds to your window, and sneeze, and some blind person would call you the next day and ask you about your cold. I mean, it is like we know everything about everybody <laughs> in our own community. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting. Um, it, it's helpful because, you know, we find out alternative ways of doing stuff, whether that's running a barbecue or running a table saw. There are blind people that are doing it. So my first um, few guests on the podcast are, are going to be blind, but I, I hope that other people will come on and tell their stories. Um, I'm interested in employment because I think that that's where we struggle as people with disabilities. I know we have low employment rates, but I also know that we are successful and we do we do jobs we are we are um we are doctors there are a few disabled doctors in our country not not a ton but there are some um there are a couple that are blind and there are a couple that are quadriplegics we're lawyers um there is a lawyer there are a few lawyers in our country in our state that are quadriplegic there's a few lawyers that are blind um in utah and we are real estate agents, and we are college professors, and we are elementary school teachers. Um, so I'm interested in, in those kinds of stories. But I'm interested in any idea that, that people have um, if we just want to have a roundtable and discuss things like the top most annoying things somebody say says to you as someone who uses a wheelchair and how you can um, humorously deal with them. <laughs> I think that'd be a really fun podcast um same with with service dogs you know the top most annoying things people say about your service dog and or do with your service dog and how you can educate people about that so i'm hoping to have people come on and just tell their stories and and shoot me emails for ideas um i think i think i um i want to say just a little bit of, about my own view of of disability. Um, Stella Young is or was a remarkable person in the disability community and she gave a TED talk called I'm not your inspiration thank you very much and she says in the talk that we have been sold a lie that we have been told that disability is a bad thing and that it makes you exceptional and she said disability is not a bad thing and it doesn't make you exceptional. And when I first heard those words, I had to pause the TED Talk and um, get over my own emotion because that's how I feel. I don't think I don't think it's bad to be blind. 
And I don't think it makes me exceptional. It just, it just is. <laughs> and I don't think it's bad that my husband is basically a quadriplegic. He has a little bit of movement, but you know, that he needs help to do all the activities of day living. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't think that makes it, him exceptional. And I don't think that makes us bad parents. And I don't think that makes us exceptional. It's just what it is. And the key that I have found to being successful as people with disabilities is to learn to problem solve, is to learn to laugh at some of the annoying things that happen, and it's to um, to have a normal life. I don't think that disability prevents you from having a normal life. And I think that if it, it does, um, I think that that's, I think that that's perhaps our fault as people with disabilities, because I, I think that, I think that we face challenges. And I think that the biggest challenge we face is not our disabilities. It's the lack of opportunities and that we have sometimes and it's it's overcoming um, those types of barriers whether that is going into a job interview and knowing from the minute you get from the minute that you are sitting down with these people that you're not getting the job I've met people that's happened to whether it's um, being at the bottom of a flight of stairs and trying to figure out how you're going to get up them. Um, but when those barriers are cleared away, when you when you come into a place that you can come into as someone who uses a wheelchair, and when you sit down for a job interview and people don't have those prejudices against you and you start on a level, you know, on a, on a, on a with a job interview where people think that you can do it, I think that that is, that is the key to being successful. So I'd love to hear from any listeners out there, um, your thoughts, your ideas. I will freely admit that some of my interviews are a little bit long. <laughs> um, I feel like our past ends up determining a bit of our future, and I'm interested in people's if they've been congenitally disabled. I'm interested in their childhoods and I'm interested in how their family reacted to it because I think that that has a huge impact on the way that you grow up and on the way you are as an adult. And I think that those previous experiences end up really factoring into, really factoring into what happens to you later in life. But I don't have to do long interviews if somebody wants to come on and, and talk just this is my job and this is how I do it or this is a specific thing and I'm you got 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm happy to just go with the 30 minutes. So um, the people I have interviewed so far have been close friends and I can rope them into spending time. <laughs> but that doesn't have to be the, the case. I'm happy to take whatever time um, and whatever ideas that somebody would want. I have discovered a great 
um, in recording this introduction, I have discovered a major admiration in myself for people who do talk radio because I know this is full of ums and ahs and I'm in Toastmasters and if I were to have given the speech in Toastmasters, um, the awe master grammarian would be having a field day with me right now because um, you're not supposed to say ahs and ums and I know I've done a lot. But hopefully this is giving you a little bit of a little bit of an introduction to me and hopefully it's given you a little bit of an introduction to what Ability Stories is. I, my email is abilitystories at gmail.com A-B-I-L-I-T-Y-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com and I would absolutely love to hear from you. Questions, comments, ideas, um, and I'd love to build up a network where we tell our stories my ultimate hope is this. Somewhere, maybe there's somebody who has lost their sight or who has become, uh, has, has used a wheel, started using a wheelchair and they still want to be successful at something. They don't want to just life just to end. And maybe if they hear stories about other people who have lost their sight and who've gone on to be successful at various things, or other people who now use wheelchairs to get around and they're successful and they're employed and they're parents, I hope that that will inspire them. So above all else in the podcast, what I want to do is inspire the next generation or the next group of people with disabilities to do more and better than the current group of people with disabilities because I think we all stand on the shoulders of those who come after us. The best paper I ever wrote in college was a paper where I had the opportunity to interview blind teachers and ask them how they adapted with their blindness towards teaching. And I got to interview people that had been teaching as blind people for a long time and that had been successful at it. And after I finished those interviews, I was on cloud nine because I thought, if they have done it, maybe I can do it too. And that's what I hope to give to people with ability stories is listening to people tell their stories and realizing that if those people have been successful, then new people can come along with disabilities and be just as successful or hopefully even more successful. So again, I'm abilitystories at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you and I would love to have you on the podcast to tell your stories or I would love to have panel discussion panels where we talk about different aspects of, of life as a person with a disability and how we adapt. So I'm abilitystories at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on Ability Stories. Please review this podcast in iTunes. To comment on this episode, please go to abilitystories.podbean.com. If you have any show ideas or would like to be a guest on Ability Stories, send an email to abilitystories at gmail.com. 
and thanks for listening.